Good evening. Isn't God good? Soul Avenger singing that song, and Brandy leaned over to me, and she said, just a month ago, you had a stroke. I was laying up in a hospital bed, and I didn't know if we were going to have any lasting physical ailments. I just praise God that I don't. We're going to be in Psalms 37 tonight. As your turn, I just want to thank Pastor for this opportunity of standing behind the pulpit. I don't take it lightly. It's a great honor and privilege to be here. Um, we're going to be in verse 4. And it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Tonight I want to talk to you about desires. What are your desires tonight? We could go around this room and I would most assuredly say those that are married, they desire to have better marriage. Those that are struggling financially would say, I desire to be in a better financial situation. Those like me that just had the stroke would say, I wish my physical condition was a little bit better. Brother Kenny was talking about running a short distance. I'd be happy just to walk a short distance <laughs> without being winded right now. And I think of places like the Ukraine and Israel, what happened yesterday. I think there's a lot of people there that are probably desiring peaceful resolutions right now to what's going on. Fact is, those are good things to desire. Tonight, I want to look at four different desires in the Bible talks about. Well, at the same time, I think if we strive to meet these four desires, the other desires we have in our lives are going to take care of themselves. Before we get started, though, I looked up in Webster's 1828 dictionary the definition of desire. And it had four meanings. A. Emotion of, or excitement of the mind. A prayer or request. Love or affection. And the last thing it said about desire is appetite. So as I'm preaching tonight, I'm talking about these four desires that the Bible talks about. I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I have an appetite for these four things? I think when we sit down to dinner and we haven't ate for an hour, no. <laughs> no, you haven't ate for a while and you've got that appetite and you're looking for something that's going to fill that appetite, something that's going to fill that desire. But what about God's word? And I think that's the first thing that we need to have a desire of. The word of God should be desired. However, I wonder tonight, do we get excited about getting up in the morning to spend time in the word of God? Do we consider even praying before we open the word of God? Do we love the word of God? Or is it just another book on the bookshelf? Do we have an appetite for the word of God? And I was kind of hoping Brother Kenny would do these, the Psalms 19 Verses 7 and 11. 
but that's where I'm going to go for the desires of the Bible. We're going to read there, and then I'll read also in 2 Timothy 3.16. But 19.7-11 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And here it is. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. In verse 7 it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I'm so glad this word of God tells us how we can know for sure we're saved. I'm so glad that it converts the soul. We don't have to walk around thinking, well, if I didn't get baptized, then I can't go to heaven. If I don't live a good enough life, I'm not going to go to heaven. But it says in John, 6, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm so glad that God's word says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I wonder tonight, has there ever been a time that you've done that? That's a question you've got to answer for yourself. But I'll tell you what, John 14, 3 says that he's already went to prepare a place for us. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's a promise. He's coming back. Yeah, you excited about that tonight? Are you excited that the word of God tells us he's coming back? Yeah, and it says he'll receive us Amen. unto himself, that where he is, there you may be also. How could you not desire the word of God when it tells you such promises? It tells you that the God who created everything, we went walking through Spearfish Canyon, or Brandy and her mom and dad did as I sat in the lodge um, this afternoon, but as we drove through there, I just looked at it. The God that created all that wants me to be in heaven with him. So he prepared a place. And all I got to do is tell him how sorry I am because I mess up all the time. And ask him to forgive me. And he does so. But then the second part of that, it says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I, I'm glad for that verse because I'll tell you what, I know very, very little about some things, but I don't know a lot about anything. 
But the Lord says if I study his word and I pour myself into his word, that he'll make me wise. Verse, Proverbs 1, 4 says, To get subtly to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. 1 Corinthians 1, 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Aren't you glad we serve a God that at his very lowest, and he doesn't get low, trust me, but at his lowest, at his foolishness, it's wiser than we are at our best? What a baffles me why you wouldn't want to spend time in this word and the weakness of God is stronger than men verse 8 the statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart there's so many things in this Bible and the word of God that we have to rejoice about do you rejoice over Calvary where Christ went and died for you but I wanted to look at a few verses that go along with things that we can rejoice about that we take for granted, I think, way too often. If you're a football fan, like I am, you hear the cliche all the time, defense wins championships. Psalms 5.11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl, but spoiler alert, it'll probably be Kansas City again. Um, but there ain't a defense in the NFL or any sport that you can come across that's able to defend like our Lord can defend us. And I'm so glad for that. That verse ends by saying, Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Second thing I think... Or, we take for granted way too often. We find in Philippians 3.1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. Do you rejoice in the Lord? Or is that just something that comes up in your Sundays? And if you come to church on Wednesday nights, it comes up on, Sunday, on Wednesday night. But otherwise, you live your whole week without him. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord. Every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we need to be rejoicing in him. The fourth thing, at the end of verse 8, it says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I'm so glad that God's able to open our eyes to things around us that we might not understand without that. And God created these eyes of Bible says in Proverbs 20:12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. And verse 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. First Peter 1, 24 through 25, for all flesh is as grass and all glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withereth. We're surely starting to see that here in Black Hills, ain't we, as they get colder? Starting to see the grass die off. And, but withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You know, they've taken the Bible out of public schools. They've 
when I was younger, you used to go in the, a hotel room, open up that top drawer where the phone sat on top of that desk, and what did you find? You know, you don't find that very much anymore. The world's trying to take that away. But you know what God said? My word will endure forever. We can rejoice in that. And then it says, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I'm so glad that this Bible contains truth. I remember a few years ago, Brother Kenny, that graduation message you preached about truth. Things like that stick with you. When you, when you realize this word, the Bible, is full of God's truth. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then you skip down, verse 11, Moreover by them is thy servant warned. There's warnings in this. James 1, 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. How do we endure temptation? By learning the warnings that God has prepared for us. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Aren't you glad you have warnings? You have things that God has left you to say, hey, don't do that. I was preaching in Newell last weekend. I said, you know, when I was younger, and I, I don't know how many more have this mentality, but you'd hear your parents, don't do that. It almost made you want to do it just to do it. The Bible says don't tempt God. So the warnings you learn in here, you don't need to try. But then I learned that it said more to be, but then I look at verse 10 where the word desire is, more to be desired are they than gold. What are you striving for in this world tonight? Are you striving to be rich? Are you working that job endlessly and skipping church because you've got to be at that job? Are you skipping your Bible reading? Or is the Bible worth more than gold to you? Then it says, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I don't know how many people in here like honey, but we, when I was up in Newell last weekend, the guy that heads it up, he said... It's pastor appreciation. I know you're not our pastor, but I want to give you something. I don't like honey, or I didn't think I did. He gave me fresh honey because they, they raise bees. He goes, here you go. I was like, oh, okay. And then you do the nice thing. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's going to be so good. Well, the whole time I'm thinking in my mind, Brandy and Mom are going to enjoy this, but I know that's got to be cordial. This week we... I don't even remember what we had for dinner, but Brandy made some biscuits, and I said, all right, I can't lie to this guy. I got to try this honey. I started eating toast with honey on it this week. I realized how good honey is. But you know what? As good as it is, it doesn't compare to the Word of God. This book is so much sweeter than honey is. But then, if we go to Psalms 27 and verse 4, we need to desire the Word of God but Psalms 24 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord 
and the choir in his temple. How important is the house of God to you tonight? Do you have an appetite for it? Do you want to be here? Young kids, look at me. Is this something that you just do because that's what mom and dad make you do? And I tell you something, there's going to come a point in your life where you're going to have to make the decision, what is this all about to me? You might as well make it now while you're young, while you're in your youth. Do you have a desire for the house of God? There are many reasons why we should. Exodus 28 says it's commanded. Psalms 122, verse 1. We'll turn there real quick. The word of God is commanded. But what did David say in Psalms 122, verse 1? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It brings happiness to be in the house of God. Matthew 16, 18, God looked at Peter and said, Thou art Peter, and upon thee I shall build my church. God established the church. Ephesians 5, 25, Christ died for the church. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to turn there real quick. Most of you know where I'm going with this. But when we read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 23, it says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it had pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one, but one body. And the eye cannot see under the, say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary. Everybody in this church, whether you just started attending, you're like me and Brandy, you've been here for 20 years, or even like Brother Mac, and you've been here longer. Everybody in this church tonight has a job. Everybody has a place to be. If we want this church to be as strong as it can be, Everybody has to be in their place. We're not all going to be Pastor Brooks. For one, I don't desire to be Pastor Brooks. Some of the conversations me and him have had, uh, the things he deals with, oh, no thank you. I'd rather deal with the little kids. They don't have issues like us adults do. But even that, it's not everybody's job to come teach my junior church class. It's not everybody's job to love on these little ones like I do. But we all have a job. I wonder tonight, 
if I had said the name Jim Abbott, who would know who I'm talking about? Did anybody in here know who Jim Abbott is? He was a major league pitcher that when he was in college at the University of Michigan, he won multiple Big Ten honors. He was elected into the College Baseball Hall of Fame. He was a great pitcher. He never made the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, and I think there's one thing that kept him back. It wasn't talent. And there's one thing that's going to keep us from being a Hall of Fame church, if you will. Jim Abbott had one arm. He was still good enough to pitch in Major League Baseball. If our arm as a church disappears, we got to go on for Christ. we got to keep going. But if we have our arm here, we're going to be as strong as we need to be as a church. Hebrews 13, 7. Church, we should desire because pastor needs us here. What would it do to pastor if next Sunday morning we all just said, eh, we're not going to go. They don't need me there today. I got other stuff I can do. It's starting to get cold. I got to start winterizing things around the house. We all skip church. Be pretty deflating, don't you think? I know it would be to me. So I would say tonight, we need to be here. We need to desire church so that we can be a blessing on the pastor. Hebrews 10.25, we need to desire church to exhort each other. Which leads me to my third thing, and I'm just going to be real with this one. I started to talk about it this morning with Tyler. But the third thing I think we need to desire, go with me, if you will, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, chapter 7, or I'm sorry, verse 20, chapter 11, verse 24 through 27. It says, this Apostle Paul writing, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and, war and weariness, and painfulness, and watchings often, I hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Then when you turn to, you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, And you look at verse 9 and verse 10, it says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, 
Titus to Domitia. The Apostle Paul said in verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. The third thing I think we need to desire is a fellowship of fellow believers. Elsewhere in 2 Corinthians, Paul desired that Titus be there, which led me to wonder and meditate on the fact of why one of the greatest Christians the world has ever known in Paul would desire fellowship of others. Come on, Paul, you, read, you wrote most of the New Testament. You have it all figured out. Why? Why do you need fellowship with other people? And it's very simple. He needed the encouragement. He needed the love. Last November, as many of you know, or October, excuse me, Brandy was diagnosed with, or they found something wrong with her that was going to prevent us from ever having kids. I grew up, and the one thing that I desired, that I thought I desired more than anything, was to have kids. But when a doctor looks you in the eyes and says, you know this means you're never going to have kids, what do you do? Then we got to January, or December, excuse me, and we went in for that surgery, and it was supposed to be routine, two-hour surgery, four hours into it, who some of you were up at the hospital with me, couldn't figure out what's taking so long. The doctor called me, and she said, when we were in there, we found some tumors on her bladder. It's all right, we call, uh, there's another doctor doing surgery that specializes in this stuff in the next room. But it's all right, that was just coincidence that that doctor had to be there. <laughs> Obviously not, God had everything to do with that other doctor being in that other room. Yeah. We think we got it. They went in, they did the surgery, took the tumor out, said, all right, what we need you to do, we need you to come back in. Was it three months, huh? Three months. So we went in there. We're so excited. She'd been feeling pretty good. Two more, new, two more tumors had developed. So at that point, when you start realizing, I can't do this alone. So at this point, where you start looking at your phone, and I had men in this church texting me saying, Brother, you all right? Like I said this morning about Tyler, he was one of them. And I don't want to say everybody because I forget somebody and then people would meet me outside and be mad at me. And, <laughs> but seriously, no. There was people that would text me. I'd get home from work, have a horrible day because my mind would be on what was going on, plus just work itself. And Brandy would say, hey, guess who texted me today? Guess who texted me? And I'd say, that's awesome. And as we're fighting that, many of you know, January 6th, a day before his birthday, Dad ended up in the emergency room. And we didn't think anything of it. We thought it was pneumonia. If you knew Dad, he fought health, he felt health, he fought health issues. We didn't think anything of it. And we said, all right, this is just something else. We're going to fight. We're going to get through it. 
you're going to be back in church in no time at all. Dad ended up going to church three more times before July 3rd when he passed away. But you know what? It's been the hardest year of my life, no doubt. But I've had people that have texted me. They've said, keep going, brother. You got this. Keep fighting. Do this. Do that. We're here for you. If you need anything, let me know. We got you covered. 1 John 4.12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. I found that to be true this last year when I went through this. I needed others to come along me. I needed that. Like I said this morning, just briefly, Dad was my best friend. He was at my, he was the best man at my wedding. Everything I ever needed were me and Brandy. I'll go to my grave saying are married because of him. Some of you know that story. We, I went to Iowa to meet her. I came back home. I told her while I was down there the last night that we got to spend any time together. I said, this ain't going to work out. I need to be a sportscaster. My love is sports. Mind you, I wasn't saved at that time, so don't say, God needed to be your first love. I wasn't saved. But I got back home, and a very wise dad looked me in the eyes. He goes, do you love her? I said, well, yeah, but I love sports too. <laughs> and, and he said, you're going to marry her. I was like, okay, yes, sir. I went back to the house, emailed Brandy, and said, oh, we can get through this together. I still want, I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be, well, I'm not going to share with you all what the email was about. Come on, people. No, honestly, he said, you're going to marry her. So my dad was more than a dad. He lived with us, and... I thank God for that. But I say all that to say July 3rd when he died and he fell in my arms. And all you guys texted me. You were there for me. I needed that because, to be honest with you, my heart and my flesh, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit this whole God thing. How could you take my dad? And then God got a hold of my heart and he said, I didn't take your dad. Your dad's here in glory with me where you're going to be eternally. I took your dad out of, your, out of his pain. But I couldn't have did it without you guys. I couldn't have did it without my church family. Loving me and Brandy. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Talks about how we got to encourage each other. I know no one would raise their hand to this if I said, who's ever had a bad day? Because I know I'm the only one that's ever struggled and ever had a bad day, right? 
We've all had bad days. So would it, be, it would behoove us to pick up a phone, and if you don't got time to talk on the phone, text somebody and just say, hey, I'm praying for you. I didn't see you Sunday night. I didn't see you Wednesday night. Hope everything's okay. And I've learned that I need to be more dedicated to that because I realize how much I needed it, and I know other people need it. So it made me think everything that Paul had been through, he probably said, I need a friend, someone that believes like I do, someone who understands like I do, someone who wants the same things to be accomplished for God that I'm striving for. Hear me carefully when I say this next thing. It's okay to have friends outside of this church building. However, your closest friends should be the ones you attend church with. I know that I've said this in the past to a lot of you, but a lot of you are closer than my own family is to me. And I love my family. And if you're watching on live stream, I'm not saying I don't love you. I'm just saying these guys were here for me. But I know that I, it's, we need each other. So we need to desire to have that fellowship of each other. So we need to desire the Word of God. We need to desire the house of God. We need to desire fellowship of Christian brethren. And sister, sorry. Luke 23:52 is where we find the last thing. And the Bible's full of things that you should desire. And these are just four of them that I picked out. But it says, This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. This man, Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was so in love with Christ that he desired his lifeless body. Jesus had just been hung on the cross after being beaten, after being crowned and mocked. And he was taken down off that cross after he died for each one of us. And Joseph went to Pilate and he said, give me the body. I want the body of Christ. His body was lifeless. He wasn't. Because he, moved, he was in the background doing things. He was behind the scenes still working, if you understand. It was just his body that was lifeless. Yet in his body, he wasn't going to teach anymore. He wasn't going to preach anymore. He wasn't going to comfort or heal or fellowship again until his resurrection. Yet Joseph went and he begged for that body. So I looked up in Webster's Dictionary, the word begged. It means one urgently requested, supplicate, supplicated, which means to seek an earnest prayer. And the third thing it says, that begged means is to ask in charity or to do in love. I want to ask you tonight one simple question when it comes to desiring Christ. Are you desiring Christ just because of what he can do for you? 
When was the last time you got alone with God? You fell down on your face before God and you said, God, I don't want anything from you tonight. I want to know what I can do for you. When's the last time you earnestly begged? You urgently requested, Lord, I need to do something for you. Show me that soul that's nearest hell. Lord, can I serve you in any way? What can I do? When's the last time you went to God and said that? Or is it you wait until what happened to me a month ago and you have a stroke and you're laying up in a hospital bed and you're like, okay, Lord, I need you now. I'm ready. Don't, don't do that. It's not worth it. When we need or want something for Christ, it's easy to beg from, beg from Christ. I'm not saying tonight that's a bad thing. It's, we need to know who's able to heal us. We need to know who's able to meet our needs. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying tonight is when is the last time you desired Christ so that you could do something for him? Sometimes I think we get caught up in self-help books, Christian psychologists or psychiatrists, and we leave Christ out. We ask friends, hey, what do you think I should do? When's the last time you desired Christ to show you what you should do? I just want to encourage you guys tonight. I'm so thankful for the church we go to. I love each one of you. I just wonder tonight, do you desire the word of God? Do you desire the house of God? Do you desire the fellowship of fellow brothers? believers and in closing do you desire to do something for Christ or is it all about desiring to get something from Christ let's pray